Hey everyone, welcome to Vader Research Podcast. Today we're joined by Caldi, Chris Calderon, founder and CEO at Superfine, formerly known as Game Jam. Chris, thanks for joining. Uh, can you introduce yourself and and tell us how you ended up um, building Superfine? Hey, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Really exciting to, to be on here with you. Huge fan of, of your work. And so it's nice to, to be up here with you. Thanks. Um, yeah, yeah. So I guess quick intro, a little bit about myself. I've been working in the games industry for it's like 10 plus years now. Um, I start. I came into the industry um, from, from investment banking. So originally I was in investment banking, did that for a few years, uh, did about three $30 billion worth of transactions. So this is like M&A, IPOs, this kind of stuff, all within the tech sector. Um, I started working with game studios um, and uh, advising on some transactions. Um, and this is where I, and I've always wanted to be in the games industry. So like even I was making games since I was like 12 years old as, as a little kid, just like fascinated with games, played Dungeons and Dragons, Magic Cards, uh, I was early in all the MMOs, like Ashbrown's Call, Ultima Online, EverQuest. Um, so I've just always been a huge, huge gamer. Um, didn't think I could make money doing games, or at least my family didn't think so at the, when I was younger. So I didn't pursue that originally. But as a banker, I noticed that this was an, as a hot industry and there was a, awesome opportunities emerging with, with mobile. Um, and so I jumped in and also Facebook gaming, social, social gaming and stuff like that. So I joined a company called Kixi, um, was it, uh, started as a head of revenue and then ended up becoming a GM there. Um, that, uh, studio was acquired by a Stillfront group, um, worked at it. Next, I worked at a company called dots, uh, launched a game called two dots. I was the VP of marketing there. Um, that company ended up getting acquired by take two, uh, interactive. And then um, I also joined a company called Ketchup, um, where I was a chief revenue officer, and uh, we made some awesome games like 2048, uh, Global Phenomenon, mobile game, and and a bunch of other games as well. And and we really, I guess, it, it, I could say you could we invented the hyper casual category um, as a game genre. Uh, so during this time, I saw all kinds of changes. Introduction. Of, of mobile games, introduction of Facebook games, introduction of the free to play model and all kinds of stuff and changes that, that happened, um, in, in gaming. And, um, so back to your question about, you know, how, how we started, uh, super fine. Um, so game jam originally, um, we were building, a self-publishing, um, tech, uh, software, like self-publishing tech tech for, uh, we thought that let's, let's build tech that allows studios to publish, uh, their own games. And, and the reason why was, um, when I worked at, at Ketchup, uh, the, one of the things I asked, so all of our developers were pretty happy, super happy. And at the time there was like really no competition. This was like pre voodoo. Um, and, uh, you know, we'd launch a game and it hit number one. Um, and so we had a very simple, deal terms with, with our, with our developers. And one, I, but I always wanted to, you know, make sure everyone's happy. It was, it was kind of a, it was a new thing for me. Um, and so I asked all the developers, like, if there's one thing we could do to make you happy, what would it be? And every single developer pretty much said the same thing, which was, I was really surprised by this. Um, 
And they said, uh, Caldi, you know, we're really happy. But if there was one thing that we could do is we would like the ability to publish our own games at some point under our under our own names, um, under our own you know, publisher handle. Uh, we would like the you know, ability and freedom and the knowledge to at some point uh, do this. Um, and so I thought, aha, oh, okay. So self-publishing uh, is, is, what, is, what is what they want. Eventually they want you know, the freedom to, to do this on their own. Um, and, uh, and, and this was, there was maybe like one or two developers that, that didn't want this. So they were very happy working with the publisher. Like they just build the game. They let the publisher do the rest. They don't want to build this expertise in house, but most of the developers had aspirations to, to, to gain this knowledge and, and to do it on their own. And, um, and, and, and during this time, things like machine learning were, were starting to be used a lot more often for, for user acquisition, automation, and, and things like this that kind of a, a, allowed, had, had kind of like allowed you to, to build software that, uh, for, for this purpose. Um, so at Game Jam, I thought, okay, so let's, let's build this, this software and let's kind of prove it out on our own games first. Um, so we just, we made first party games. Uh, we did some cool games with like DJ Marshmallow um, and, and some other celebrities and, and IP. Um, and we had about, you know, 200, 300 million downloads across the portfolio. Um, then some things in the market started to happen, right? Um, regulation, updates on, on privacy, deprecation of IDFA and advertiser IDs. And I could start seeing the whole market getting worried about kind of like user acquisition, user acquisition, people kind of losing their jobs because of automation and, and stuff like this. So a market's changing and everything is, is evolving. Um, and blockchain and blockchain. And, the, and it was, it was blockchain. That was like the aha moment of like, oh my God, this is crazy. We can do things that we were never able to do before. This is, this is insane. And, and so we made this pivot in January of last year where we're like, okay, let's, let's, let's take this and this blockchain stuff into consideration about how we should think differently about growth, how we should think differently about game publishing. Um, because this, we, because this is the future and, um, and that's how the idea of Superfine uh, start, you know, started. Awesome. Uh, great, great background. Um, so, so what, what, you're, what you're basically saying is that games, mobile games, uh, usually work with, especially like small studios usually build the games themselves, but they don't publish it themselves under their own name. They typically work with other publishers. Um, and what you realize is that they want to self-publish their own games with their own brand. And at, at Game Jam, you were providing the tools for this. Um, and as the, as the like mobile gaming industry, uh, got, got pressured with, you know, IDFA regulation, privacy updates. And as a blockchain gaming grew, you saw, uh, you seen like big opportunity in, in blockchain gaming as well. And like you said, there are a lot of things that one can do in, in blockchain gaming because the you know, data is transparent there are smart contracts. Um, and you can like reward players directly with, with, uh, financial rewards. Um, so. Before before getting uh, deeper into like what Superfine is doing, I'm I'm very curious on better understanding um, the 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 
the relationship between a studio and a publisher uh, and and why uh, studios would need to work with with uh, publishers um, like Voodoo or or Rolex. And and here we're assuming that uh, again there are like different types of publishers, right? There's the Activision Blizzard, which is like a AAA publisher, and there is uh, the the mobile hyper casual publisher like a Voodoo. So it would be great if you can give us an overview of, of of all that to make sure that the audience understands it all all, all better. Yeah, and that's a great question. Um, and I'm glad that you mentioned Rolex too, because they're a legendary publisher. Um, and, and same with Voodoo, they basically changed the game. Um, but a publisher essentially does three things. Um, the first is they provide capital. Um, and, th and this is, could be for funding, um, maybe partially funding the game or development of the game, but mostly for marketing the game. Um, so they provide capital, that's the first thing. The second thing is, they have some kind of, they provide technology. So like, so it, this is to scale the game, you know, because maybe you're spending millions of dollars and you're spending it across, you know, 200 plus countries, across 30, 40 plus ad networks. And you need kind of automation to, to run campaigns, um, you know, and, and maybe create the ads, maybe tech for um, competitive analysis or tech to predict uh, LTV or measure, you know, down funnel events, analytic game analytics, like all kinds of stuff. So you need tech. So you need you need uh, publisher provides funding. Number two, they provide technology, and then the third thing is they provide kind of like cons consulting advisory services. And this could be like on the product itself, uh, game design um, help. Um, information about marketing, information about uh, um, kind of like how how you should change your, your the localization or culturalization of the game for certain markets, like ex domain expertise within certain ge geographical regions or expertise within certain types of genres. Let's say you make puzzle games, but you want to make kind of like a hidden objects game and you're not really familiar with it, the publisher has all this knowledge of working with all types of different games perhaps. And so they can give you a little bit more information about, okay, you should do this and that. Um, and depending on the size of the publisher, like let's say it's like someone like a Tencent, they'll give you like a whole army, a whole team of people uh, basically giving you kind of advice. Um, and so those are the, the three things basically that a publisher does, provides capital, provides technology and provides kind of like advisory consulting, you know, let's say services. Um, and why a, a developer would want to work with a publisher is usually because they need, um, two, two of, of those two or, or, or all of the, those things. Um, usually if they don't have the capital, they probably don't have the tech. Um, but they might have kind of like the domain expertise or, or the genre expertise about the game that they're building. Um, so maybe, but, but still could use advice, right? Um, or maybe they have capital, but they don't have the tech. Um, or, or you know, or it could be any n number uh, of those of those things. Um, but eventually, you, most most developers want to want uh, want success, and so they get they get capital with 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 hits and things like that. Um, and then they build they build the tech on their own because because they they learn from the publisher and. Um, and also they, they learn kind of this expertise and they become experts themselves over time. And so we've seen kind of this graduation of studios who kind of started off as, as a developer, submitting games um, to, to catch up. And then, and then 
becoming publishers of their own and, you know, even com competing with us, um, you know, years later, because they've, they got that expertise, they got that, the, the, the funding from successful games, and then they built the technology themselves. Um, so that's kind of the reason what a publisher provides and kind of the reason why a developer would want to work with the publisher. Got it. And would you consider Game Jam as, uh, was Game Jam a publisher or a self-publishing tool provider? We were, uh, so Game Jam was more of a self-publishing tool provider. So we were, we were building, um, tech, um, and we were kind of testing that out on our own game. So we were kind of building our own first party games. We never, uh, published a game, um, from another studio because we were always kind of trying to build and improve uh, our own tech stack. Um, and then recently with our rebrand, I would say like maybe January of last year, um, we had this aha moment that I was talking about of like, oh, wow, there's all this cool stuff we could do with on-chain data. This is game, this is a huge, this is, this is changes everything. Um, we made the pivot um, in, into Web3 uh, and, and blockchain. And, um, and now today we provide um, tooling um, for publishers. And so now we actually have you know, publishers that we're, uh, we're working with um, where we provide them tooling uh, uh, specifically to help with, with growth. Got it. That makes sense. And um, I mean, and thanks for the, the description. That was great. Um, what you just described regarding publishers, it's that same across um, a mobile gaming publisher like Voodoo and, and uh, Rolex and Activision, Tencent, etc., or for different, like for maybe AAA games and casual games, there are different um, maybe services or, 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 or capital or tech provider, maybe there are different deals. Definitely different deal structures, um, but the concept is pretty much the same. Um, so like you, you and, and what I mentioned uh, just just now is like exactly probably what, what like a Voodoo or a Rollock would look like. But, you know, with an Activision or kind of like these AAA old school, old school studios, concept is still kind of the, the same. Um, maybe the, the, uh, the only, only difference is they have a specialized distribution channels um, and, and domain expertise about that, but still providing kind of could provide the same thing, capital, some type of tech um, uh, for this and kind of like this advisory consulting services. Um, and, and, and in that third one could be business development, right? It's like, I have a special relationship with Apple, or I have a special relationship with PlayStation, or I have a, I have a special relationship with, you know, Google play and, um, you know, they can help advise and, 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 um, and give expertise and, and, and even kind of help maybe with some BD hacks, uh, for the, for the developer that the developer wouldn't normally have, uh, really, you know, if relationships like those. Um, so the publisher can help kind of facilitate uh, those conversations and, and, and relationships. Nice. That makes sense. And um, what happened, like, can you give us a summary on what happened with um, the industry in terms of IDFA and privacy updates and regulation? Why did the, the, the numbers got so tighter? Yeah. So this is, this is a good, this is a really good topic. We could talk about this for a long time. Um, so, I mean, a few things, a few things happened. Um, so there's, 
government regulation. So you had things like GDPR, um, you know, privacy laws, and, uh, and, and I think this is where it starts. Um, and, um, this makes it, a, uh, kind of things like tracking a little bit harder and, you know, for the right reasons you have, have these laws, but at the same time, you have like real businesses that try to utilize some of this in information, um, for better analytics, for better, for better targeting, for, for, for easier, uh, and, and more transparent marketing, um, attribution and kind of measure measurement of, of like marketing data. Um, so that's, that's the first thing that, that, that started coming the, the second, um, and, and that kind of like, that took a while to happen. Um, and then immediately after that, you started, uh, we, we started getting, you know, uh, platform changes. So for example, Apple uh, announced that they were deprecating IDFA um, and uh, giving, uh, encouraging users um, basically not to share their advertiser ID. Uh, and this made it tricky, especially because at that time, um, I mean, you had some entire tech stacks that were to completely built off of IDFA. Um, and, to, and so, and so when you remove that, you know, you had entire systems, you know, just kind of breaking down, um, from, from some companies, um, not, not all companies like, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so that, that started becoming a problem and the measurement became harder, uh, because of lack of, of targeting. Um, it became, you know, user acquisition became more expensive and less effective, um, and so this started affecting a, a, a lot of different games. Some categories were maybe less impacted um, because of the, because of the type of of, of games. Um, but this, you know, essentially became a big problem for 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 certain um, game developers. Um, and, uh, and 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 yeah, and so you kind of like combination of this like kind of like policy changes, you know, go government, you know, regulation. Um, and then kind of platform changes with, with Apple um, that just made marketing harder. Got it. Yeah, that, that makes sense now. I mean, it, it all makes sense why um, a lot of some of the game developers and you know, traditional casual Web2 gaming are moving towards blockchain as well, um, because it is, it is you know, a new ground full of opportunities um, and, and it, it's just much tougher to compete with existing studios just because the UA is, you know, less efficient and, and very expensive. And, um, Absolutely. Yep. can you, can you like, tell us what super fine, what you're building at super fine? Of course. Yeah. Um, thanks, thanks for asking. Um, so essentially super fine, what we're, what we're trying to do, um, and what we're building now is a, a, a tooling um, that allows uh, publishers to more easily grow um, their games on Web3. Um, and uh, basically what we're doing is we're taking it, uh, a lot of this, there's a lot of this fragmented data all, all around. Um, and there's a lot of awesome data on blockchain. Um, essentially we're trying to combine, you know, fragmented data with on-chain data, um, to create these like unified, uh, user profiles, um, and utilize this information, um, 
and connect it to a Web3 bidder. Um, and so, uh, and what I mean by that is, so you have you have bidders that already exist in um, in, in Web2 today, and a lot of these bidders they ingest different types of uh, a, a different type of data, uh, different types of fragmented data uh, to to target um, uh, players, uh, and with the deprecation of IDFA, IDFA, so a lot of this information was tied to IDFA or some other type of user ID that was maybe a derivative of, of IDFA or, or, or AID. And, um, and, and now with, with that gone, uh, it's, you know, a lot of this is, is now missing, but you may, you may still have some pieces of, of fragmented information, but it's harder to tie that to, to a specific user. And it, and if you can, it's hard to have like a full picture of what, of what that user is like the behaviors or, you know, propensity to, to spend on, on, on certain types of uh, objects or digital assets. Um, but that all changes now with blockchain uh, for obvious reasons, right? Um, and so what we're trying to do is like provide tooling that allows publishers to, to connect this information um, and then give them insights to, to, to not, not only have the, the confidence to, to make good, decision, to good decisions, but also to utilize this, this information um, to market, uh, at scale again. Um, and so, you know, that's basically you know, what we're doing. Can, can you give us like an example on, um, like if, if I'm a publisher and I have a game and I, I want to grow the game or I want to monetize the game, why would I use this tool? I can have a tree publisher. Yeah, sure. So there, there could be different reasons. Um, when, uh, and, and the main reason is around, around growth. Um, but, uh, there's definitely like, uh, so let, let's say you're, you're, you're a publisher, right. And you're launching uh, a new, uh, game. Um, maybe you're building a whitelist or maybe you're, uh, um, you know, trying to build a, a community, uh, to play your game. And, and so and what do you like, how do you start? What do you do? Right. And so if you're a traditional, like web two publisher coming into web three, what you, you'll, the mistake you'll probably try to, you'll probably make is you'll go on, you know, web two channels, start advertising your game blindly trying to get anyone or everyone to, you know, convert to web three, download a wallet, learn all this information and, um, and player and, and you'll waste probably a lot of money, um, uh, uh, doing this. So there's like, so this part is kind of broken. You can't use kind of old methods with current tooling to grow your game effectively. Um, so what, what we do is we provide basically tooling that gives you kind of insights and on who these, on who users are with, with kind of this fragmented data. Um, and we run machine learning to tag users with different, uh, profile tags. So like, is this like, is this user a gamer? Are they a flipper? Are they a loyal user? Um, are they an influencer? Um, are they social? Do they have a big following? This, these kinds of, of tags. Um, so now like if you're building a whitelist, um, and it's cross cross chain. So it works with a lot of different, uh, chains. 
Um, and we're constantly adding more chains um, to, to what we do. And, and, and the more chains that we add, the, the, the richer profile you get and more expansive, you know, inf information about who the user is um, and kind of like the, uh, their behaviors across those chains, across those wallets. You have, may have, for example, you may have one user with 10 Ethereum addresses, two Solana addresses, maybe they have an address on SweetChain or Ronin Chain or, or some other chains, and, and they probably, maybe they play different games, right? And, and they do thing, different things in, in those games and they have different behaviors. Um, so we're analyzing all this information, tagging it. So when the, the you as a publisher, um, you're collecting kind of like information on, or like you're registering a user for your whitelist or, um, or something like this, or, or doing a, a targeted giveaway. Now you have like powerful information to make better decisions. Um, so, uh, so that's kind of the, the, the first, that, that's what publishers are currently using, um, for the tooling. Um, what you can also do with this data is you can build custom audiences. So you, you can take all this audience data. You can also take data, uh, on chain that's, um, that we're, that we're indexing and you can build audiences with, with this data. Um, and these audiences are not just audiences of wallets, but they're audiences of, of user profiles, like of users that have maybe have more than one wallet. Um, uh, so there's kind of like unified, um, uh, user, you know, audiences and, um, in the future. So what we're planning to release, um, in, you know, uh, next, I would say, you know, the first half of, of next year, and this is alpha, cause I don't think we've talked about this publicly. Um, so nice little treat for, for the users, um, exactly. the listeners. Yeah. Is, uh, lookalike audiences. So basically, um, uh, looking at, you know, building the ability to build rich custom audiences now with your own data, with on-chain data that's being indexed or with your, with your own campaign information or, you know, uploading stuff from premint or whatever it is. And then on the first half of next year, we will release, um, custom audiences, or sorry, look like audiences and, and ways for you to expand those custom audiences, um, with similar expansion techniques, like friends of friends, um, targeting and, 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 and stuff like that. Um, and, and then you'll be able to take that information and run it through our web three bidder to start doing kind of like marketing automation at scale. Um, so it's, and that, so this is future talk now, this is what we're, what we're going to do, um, you know, early next year. Uh, but currently with the tooling, what you can do is kind of run these like targeted offers, like targeted giveaways, um, build, uh, whitelists that aren't full of bots that are at where you can select like real players, um, to come in. So you have like really good confidence that, um, you know, you know, you're going to mint out with quality users that are, aren't going to flip the project, or, you know, that you're going to mint out with, uh, people that are, that are players that are actually going to play the game. They're, they're maybe they're, they're not just here to flip or, or make a profit. Um, which is, which is a legitimate problem right now with, with web three games, right? You have, you have people that are, uh, maybe supporting the project and, and, and bag holding and, and, and they have bag holder bias and, and they're, they're, they're great fans of the project, but maybe they're not playing the game. Um, and as you know, game makers, it's, it's great to have those people, but we also need players in the game as well, because we need to test the game. We need to improve the games and it's all up and, you know, improve the fun, finding that magic. 
Um, and to do that, we need player data, right? So we need pl real players playing, playing the game. And so this tooling kind of helps you identify who those people are. Nice. Very exciting. First of all. Um, yeah, I think just like, um, quick comments on my end, I think I also looked into similar, uh, tools and similar ideas, thought about similar ideas. I always thought it's a bit early for this, but once there are like games, um, with a lot of, um, how would I say fun driven players, then I think these tools are going to be extremely valuable just because, um, like I think the web tree game, um, player behavior is going to be similar to web two, but it's going to be slightly different just because you have real money in it. So you're going to have like different audiences and you would want to incentivize, disincentivize, um, specific audience and specific actions over another. Um, so this makes a lot of sense. Um, so a couple of questions, um, you know, you're basically fragmenting, you're, you're pulling on chain data. Um, how, how are you pulling, um, off chain data? Are you like, do you have a bilateral relationship between, um, say a publisher that you're working and they provide you the data? Um, or do you have any different methods for that? This is a combination of techniques. Um, uh, to, to be honest, um, uh, a lot of it comes from uh, direct attribution methods of, yeah, like you're, you're connecting your wallet, maybe you're uh, also, you know, following a Twitter account or verifying your discord role or okay. using some kind of token gated, you know, method to, um, you know, similar to like, like premint, right. And then connecting this, this, this information. Um, there are also more like probabilistic methods of, of, of connecting, um, a, a data, uh, that we're working with, uh, uh, currently and ex ex also exploring and improving on. Um, and like you said, in the future, this is, we, I think this is all going to, going to change, right? Like, I don't, I mean, I, I, I'm assuming and that, you know, you know, five years from now, we're not going to have like, you know, like pre-mint is not going to be, you know, the number one way to grow your, you know, to, to, to mint out your, your project. Uh, maybe it is, but, but like these kind of forms and stuff, I think will, will change. Um, and I think like, you know, NFTs will be generated in, in different ways and, uh, new methods will, will, will disrupt, uh, the current way of how we do things similarly to how in mobile you had like kind of the premium model being disrupted by the freemium economic model. Right. Um, and you see some, some cool people who have experience, you know, with this, like, uh, Gabe Layden, uh, you know, pioneering this kind of play to play to own kind of, uh, model. Right. And so you, you can kind of, or people are already talking about it. It's already in the works and, and, and so you can kind of foresee this stuff kind of changing, um, in, in the future. Um, and so to, so I, I think also the methods of how you collect this information will also change, um, in, in, in the future, uh, for the, for the same reason. Um, but a lot of it will be based on be, be connect like the, like behavioral data, um, uh, SD, an SDK, right. Uh, within, within a game that can, connects this information, um, and users kind of opting into different, also opting into different methods of, of, of connecting, uh, information, scraping, 
um, and 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 also partnerships, data partnerships with other partners um, that are also uh, cl collecting data. So I think these will kind of be like the main ways of, of, of doing it in, in, in the future. Um, but for now, I think it's important. Um, and I think it's also, uh, it, it, I think it's important to, uh, to collect this kind of empirical information via direct attribution models, because in, in the future, it will be helpful to kind of backtest probabilistic models um, of uh, uh, based on kind of like this early, uh, these early cohorts and this kind of like early, early data. Um, so that's kind of how I, how we're doing it now and how I envision it changing in the future. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I can see um, this data being very valuable for engagement and monetization and, you know, live offs, economy management, as you cluster different audiences, you can offer, you know, different, even gaming experience, different matchmaking formula, different um, rewards off chain or on chain. Um, though where I struggle is growth, how you can use this for growth. And, you know, like I understand, for example, I always give this example, you know, let's say there are two web tree shooter games, Shrapnel and Metalcore. Um, if someone's playing Metalcore and they own this, um, sh you know, sh shotgun NFT, um, Shrapnel can airdrop them with their own uh, shotgun NFT. And, you know, if, if you pass, I don't know, five levels with the shotgun NFT, you can earn $50 worth tokens. You know, they can do stuff like this. Um, but other than this, like how else this, this, this data would be useful for growth? That's a good question. Um, and I, I, I want to start back to your, start with your, with your previous statement, which I a hundred percent agree with. And I think it's, it's important to state, uh, for, for, for the listeners, you know, with this kind of information, there's so many things that you can do. And we're so early right now in, in web three that people are just getting, you know, discovering and coming up with ideas. And a lot of it uh, is empowered by this kind of, uh, the, the, uh, by the by the data. Um, and so there's a, a lot of stuff you can do with product, with with all kinds of, uh, w with the game, um, with game design, um, with, with financing, with different avenues of decentralization for many aspects and in, in, in subsectors within this kind of, you know, growth, the growth pull of like Web3 gaming. Um, so that, I think that's important and a lot of it's powered by the, by the data, right? Um, now answer the, the second question around growth. Um, you're not alone in, 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 in this, uh, and that's why I'm, I'm focused on it, right? Is like, because our, our, my expertise has, has been with, with growth and user acquisition. Um, and so kind of like, yes, so, so there, and, and there are different ways of, 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 of Growth models will change. User acquisition, user acquisition will change. Even like you know, five years from now, even like you know, two years from now, you will we'll start seeing a change. Um, and uh, and 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 there's there will be different ways of like you know, like you mentioned, like maybe quest lines or or these kind of competitive airdrops uh, that you do. I don't think those will be as as, as effective um, because I'm right now nobody really looks at airdrops uh anymore but like but people will try stuff people and and this is kind of like early on in ua this was very similar like um it was it was considered like dark arts right it was considered like black voodoo magic right because no one really understood like 
how to, to do things. And we had weird stuff like incentivized traffic and offer wall systems and, and various stuff, like similar stuff to what's happening now. Eventually, as the market got competitive, it started leaning more towards a programmatic method of doing of, of, of distribution and, and growth. Um, and I think eventually it's, it's going to fall back to that again when in Web3 as, um, as the market matures. Um, and so how do you utilize this fragmented data for growth? Um, and, and basically it's right now the, the, the immediate way to, to, to utilize it um, is by looking at kind of mapping out the, 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 the fra fragmented data, like this kind of all, all uh, the, the record of fr these records of, of, of fragmented data, and then mapping that back to how you can use that currently in web, in web two. So for example, if I have a, a UDID or if I have some, like a Twitter connect connection, I don't know, like an email address or like, how can I use that today? Right. And how do I qualify that? And 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 that's this fragmented information is qualified with the on-chain data, right? So you can't you can use it alone, but it's it's not extremely powerful for maybe for targeting methods until you can actually like dig a little bit deeper into to what that fragmented data ties back to. Um, and this is where it gets exciting because with on-chain data we can we can do things that we were never able to do before. And, and that's like, for example, understanding, you know, the value of all your digital assets on, on chain, you know, maybe across multiple chains. Um, we we're never able to do that before, right? Like we, and, and also like understanding, like, what are those assets, right? Are you, are you collecting, you know, digital trading cards? Are you collecting cars? Are you collecting, uh, arts of, of, you know, it, it of in different types of like what what is it that, what are these assets what is the value of them and you know what what are what are your kind of behaviors on 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 what does your behavior on chain look like you can, then you can start combining this with behavior on in game um and you and and now it's like whoa this is this is this is and 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 the cool thing is like you, i mean it kind of in, in a way like some people are arguing like okay like Blockchain wasn't meant to do this, right? Like, this is supposed to be trustless. Uh, this is supposed to be, uh, this is like immutable, trustless uh, information uh, uh, way to ledger data, right? And and wasn't wasn't meant to to uh, uh, for this. Um, but this, in my opinion, is is a solution to the problems that game publishers are, are having today with the current market, right? Like, we wouldn't. We wouldn't have a huge need for this if IDFA was still around. So, in in in, in many ways, this is is kind of like regular regulatory and kind of like platform. The platforms uh, are, are are pushing us to do this, and and maybe you know, ten years from now, this all gets regulated again, right? Um, so you know, so who knows how long you know if this will will last for a long time, and then we'll have to come up with a new way of of uh, of 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 growth to, to, to grow, to grow games. But for now, I, I see this as a huge, huge opportunity. Um, yeah. And so hopefully that, that answer your question. So, so basically like how you utilize it now is mapping back fragmented data to, and how can I use that data currently on with like web two methods? Um, 
And we're also building a new method of, of how, how to do it via like a Web3 bidder. That makes sense. Yeah, I love it. Um, and I, I love that you said this like a regulatory, almost like a regulatory arbitrage. The fact that you can't get data anymore because like Apple is in, in such an, Alpine and Google are in such an oligopoly that they keep all the data for themselves um that it's just more more and more difficult for for the game developers um yeah so one other question more around the business model why why aren't you working directly with studios and why don't you become a publisher yeah so so we are so we're working it we want to work with publishers and and studios um but in, in empower them. So back to the original thing, right? Like when I when I was back at CatchUp, trying to try asking developers like what I can do to help them. Um, it's still the same thing. Like I want to I want to help them grow on their own. Um, so this is extremely helpful for really really big publishers, but it's also extremely extremely helpful for the for the little guy as well. Um, and that is that runs deep in in my heart because I myself you know work really closely with a lot of indies. I've got a lot of indie friends. Um, you know, kind of like lose their lose their businesses and and, and or or be, because of what's been going on with with IDFA and um, I even see like a a, a a lot of people uh, in I live in Vietnam and I, I've seen a lot of Vietnamese developers now like not even publish not even trying to publish their games on iOS anymore uh, they're just going straight to straight to Google Play um, so like it's also to kind of help the the, the little little guy as well. Um, and, and the reason why we're not, uh, making games ourselves or, or, or trying to utilize this ourselves is, is, is two reasons or, or publish the games under our own name is, um, you know, originally like back to the original thing, like the whole goal here is to provide self-publishing tech. Um, I do believe that there are pathways to decentralization for all three of those functions that we talked about for what a publisher does, right? For the finance, for the tech, and for the kind of advisory, like consulting services via a community, um, I, I, in the future, I see pathways to centralization for, for, as I mentioned, for like almost all growth poles of uh, almost all subsectors in the growth pole of, of gaming, um, and I hope that we can advance as an industry in this in 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 this direction because I think it's very healthy for the ecosystem, and it's and and, and we and we. We need this. I mean, we need this for for ecosystem for the for the for to develop um, in a in a healthy way. And we're seeing right now that the ecosystem is hurting. The, there's less and less indies every year. There's less, uh, you know, uh, qual quality content um, coming out every year simply because developers can't. They don't have the means to to publish the games, and and it's and it's hard. Like you submit a game. You know, to and there's like ten other ten thousand other games getting submitted. You know, that same month, and you know, what are your chances of success? Right, it's very very difficult. Um, and we, and then there's also this aspect of like, it's also kind of a distraction. Like our team, we don't have like a very large company, and like so we really want to focus on this. And we really want to just do this well. There's a lot of stuff you can do with this data, but we're not even even thinking about other things to do with it because we just want to solve this, this one problem. And then, and then finally, um, I, there's network power here, right? Um, and so 
if there's a there's a there's there's if there's light at the end of the tunnel to improve ecosystem through building a strong network and a pathway to decentralization for this um i want to you know i want to just i want to pursue that and i want to i want to do that um and so that's kind of why we 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 decided not to not to build games anymore and just to focus on this because i think this alone is a huge task to accomplish um but i think the rewards for doing it are just so great for for our entire industry yeah definitely and that that makes sense regarding your answer about why why you, you don't want to become a publisher it, it, it all makes sense um how big is your team by the way uh we're about close to 30 people okay yeah and i assume a lot of um data engineers scientists right oh yeah yeah and, and that's been like all of our all of our new hires has uh, has been all kind of like back-end data engineer data science um uh yeah it, a, a lot of like back-end heavy engineering engineering heavy um yeah team yeah that makes sense um and like what is the um what is the business model are you providing like a almost like a SaaS type product to the publishers um and like do you think the market is big enough for this to become like a profitable um business overall yes yes uh, absolutely so i think um the way i see it is there is uh there is an opportunity to to generate revenue from the value that this that this creates um and mainly with with the um with our with the bidder that we we, we plan to um release um but for now uh and, and and that's kind of like a traditional model that's that that already uh revenue model that already exists um and so we we plan on doing that um, but other than that, we haven't uh, exactly decided on if there's any other way to to to, to price this. Um, and currently, we're really really focused on um, still focused on improving product market fit, especially because we think as in as this industry involves evolves and, and methods change, we'll probably need to develop new tooling and new 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 products for. Our publishing partners, depending on their needs, um, and so right now, like 80 percent of our sprints are dictated by our partners, and to me, that is extremely valuable. And I don't want to, and so like, and it also makes them happy uh, that we're able to work really fast and provide them the tooling that they need uh, to help them uh, with their businesses. Um, so currently, we we haven't really had you know just that many discussions around, you know, if there, and if there's any ways, uh, any other ways we're, we're going to price this. Um, but the thought is let's generate revenue from the value we provide on the web three bidder. Got it. That makes sense. Um, I mean, it's, it's exciting, Chris, very exciting. Um, I, and do you, do you know if, like there are other projects that are working on building the the same thing. Like, do you know if there's any existing or or even upcoming competition that that you've been hearing about? I'm sh I'm sure. Um, for a couple of reasons. One is, 
you know, I, we created the hyper casual category. I'm used to people copying me, you know, my whole career. So I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if, if this is, if, you know, people are going to fast follow on what we're doing. Um, and I, and, and I think also this, like I said earlier, like this information, there's so much you could do with it. Right. And it's a whole new market. So there's definitely different avenues of, of, of accomplishing this. And there's also different roads you could go down once you have this information. Um, I'm not too worried about, I haven't seen anything like directly like this, um, being announced, but who knows, maybe now after this podcast, we'll, we'll, we'll see some articles uh, being, <laughs> being released, <laughs> but you know, like, um, it's, uh, it, it's really, I think it's really interesting in, in a fun time. And, and one of the things that makes me really happy is like, even people that we used to compete with in, in web two are now our partners in web three. And I think that's so awesome. And, and so I'm, I, I love that. And, um, for me, I don't mind because again, for me, it's about ecosystem development It's it's about moving the industry forward. Um, I've been blessed with a successful career, you know, three exits. Um, I, I'm like, you know, I, I I'm doing this for, for other reasons than, 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 you know, just simply returning. Um, and, and, and I believe that by moving the industry forward, we will provide shareholder value. Right. Um, and, and so that's, yeah, that's what I'm all about. Um, but I do see other people doing things from other directions. I, I saw, you know, companies focusing on the supply side, um, people building things like NFT marketplaces and wallets and stuff like that. And even layer one or layer two chains, we don't want to do any of that stuff right now, uh, or maybe at all. Um, and we're simply, simply focused on let's combine this fragmented data, create unified, you know, user profiles, and let's connect it to a bidder. And, uh, it's, it's just that simple. Um, and, 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 and that's a, a very demand side focused product. Um, and in the future, I, I do imagine like maybe we'll, we'll also kind of start jumping into the supply side as well. Um, but I think that comes later right now. The problem is we need a thousand X the, the web three gaming market. Um, and so let's focus on that. Yeah, definitely. I know it's, it's end of the hour, so you have to go. Um, thanks, thanks for joining again. This was a great episode. We, I, I, I know that the audience learned a lot. I, I learned a lot. So, um, thanks for joining and looking forward to having you again. Anytime. Thanks for having me, man. This has been great. Um, and look, yeah, look forward to being on again as well. Great. Uh, right. listener, thanks for listening. See you on another episode.